0: This is the 39th episode of Sticky Beak. In this episode, we spoke to Elon Dat, founder of Tap by Hatch, the contactless digital business card fueled by NFC technology, enabling Aussie professionals to connect more easily and safely. We chatted to Elon about how he found his way out of the paratrooper career path and into founding web dev company Hatch and the growing startup Tapped building a solid team, and the unique way they leverage LinkedIn to grow brand awareness. Welcome to Sticky Beak Elon. Thank you. It's awesome. It's awesome to be here. Yeah. Awesome. We can do it. We're here in Melbourne and it's been a bit difficult to organize face-to-face interviews lately. So it's great to be able to have you here with us.
1: Absolutely. And as we're we're seeing with New South Wales at the moment, it's very hot and cold. So when we get the opportunity, we've got to take it.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Have you been doing any interstate interstate travel lately or?
1: We have been. Um, Yeah, we've, we've, about just before the Melbourne lockdown, we had to run to Canberra. We've done a Brisbane trip. Um, I always say to to people that there's like three levels of tiredness in a business. Um, the first level is when you're starting out. The second is when you employ people, and the third is when you start traveling, because <laughs> it's it just it really takes you it takes you out of your game. Yeah, absolutely. Have those three things come at once for you or have you had a bit of spread between them i think i think i've, I've had a, a good amount of spread between enough for me at least um we have look we've grown quite quickly but i still think there was enough of a gap for me to manage all three of them but yeah if i can avoid traveling i avoid it <laughs> yeah yeah
0: absolutely well it's easier to avoid these days uh, with all the COVID stuff going on so yeah. that leans in your favor We'd
1: like to get a bit of background on our guests, Elan. So where did you grow up? So, yeah, I grew up in Melbourne, um, out in Caulfield. Um, it's a pretty close community out there. And, um, yeah, I absolutely loved it and loved my, my penny board back when I was young. Um, we used to skate around to each other's houses. And we even used to have, yeah, I'm not sure if, if you recall, they still do have them, but it's a little bit more rare, um, at the back of a, of a car, On the number plate there used to be the stickers yeah and and me and my friends we used to skate around Caulfield and um, yeah we used to collect the stickers of different (laughs) cars and obviously the better the car the better the sticker Um, and uh, yeah so that, that was that was pretty much my childhood honestly yeah gotcha skating around stealing those stickers you
0: grew up in Caulfield and then what did your education look like did you do University after
1: school or I did Um, So I finished school in 2016. Um, I then actually went to the military. Um, I served in the the Israeli military for two years. Um, That was a pretty wild experience. Um, And then, yeah, I came back. I I enrolled in university. I did commerce finance for about a year and a half. Um, And, yeah, it just just wasn't for me. As TAP started to pick up, um, at the time I was doing... I started a web development agency with a friend of mine, and um, with university it was easy to manage. I could do both, um, but then as soon as tapped came into the mix, it was just there just wasn't enough hours in the day. Um, and yeah, my mum kills me over it still, um, but I always say to her, maybe after tap at some stage I'll go back and I don't know get a get a degree of some sort. But um, yeah, for now it's just it's just not for me.
0: Yeah. Uh, Let's go back to the military thing. That's pretty interesting. So, did you say you were, was it eight?
1: When you finished school, you went over to do that? So, I finished school, yeah. Yeah. We had our formal, uh, like our graduation in November. It was the 21st of November. A week later, I'd left the country. I I did, um, a lot of my friends did a gap year after school, but because I wanted to kind of get on with things, I, I kind of skipped the gap year and jumped straight into the military. But I still wanted to travel, so I went with a few of my friends. To South Africa um, I then did a bit of a trip in America and then went straight to Israel um, I did about three months of like pre-army training which was death Like the pre-army training was almost worse than uh, than the, the army training itself um, and then yeah it was eight months of intense training um, and then how it works is you do eight months then you do four months um, on like some sort of base Um, and then you do another four months of training and then you go back to a base for another four months. So it goes like on and off, on and off four month, um, sprints. Um, and yeah, I was pretty keen to get out of there as soon as I finished. So (laughs) literally, um, I, so you get like an army ID and when you finish, you cut your ID. Yeah. The next day I flew out of the country. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I was out of there real quick. Yeah uh describe death what was that pre-army training oh, like like so they so you'd meet in in a, in a park essentially and these guys they were like very intense military guys um and they would just make you do like hundreds of bear crawls um they'd make you fill sandbags it's like a sand pit in the park um, make you just roll around in the sand and then do all these runs and then you get chafing, you know, like <coughs> from the sand in your yeah. pants. Um, but then it was all in the lead up. I, I initially really wanted to go to a very elite unit. Um, and to do that, you have to go through a series of tryouts. Um, so I landed up. So you, the first tryout I did was about a four hour tryout. Um, it wasn't overly difficult, um, but there still are tests that you have to pass. Um, and that took me into the paratrooper brigade, um, And then... After that, when you're in, you do a four-day tryout. And today it's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Um, they, they take you to a sand pit and they basically say sprint to, to the end and back. Um, and you'll do, you do it for about 12 hours straight. You go 50 minutes on, 10 minutes off to break. Um, and they'll do variations of sprint there, sprint back, Crawl there, crawl back. And how it works is, if you're first, you go. You have to get all the way to the left side of the, of whoever's you know in the tryout, in your group. Um, so it was competitive. You know, if you were on the left side, you're obviously more likely going to get into the unit because that would you know you'd finish first. Um, but yeah, you you watch guys like proper faint, just just fall over, and and you see ambulances come and go all the time. Um, but. Yeah, there was, there was about 450 people that started, um, about 200 people finished. Um, I was one of the 200 people and 150 people got in and I was like, well, I'm definitely getting in. You know, there's, there's no ways I'm not going to get in from here. Um, your, your chances are pretty high um, and yeah, I didn't get in and it was the best thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, at the time I was devastated, but looking back in hindsight, it was great. Yeah, dodged a bullet. That's, uh,
0: I've got some friends and family that have tried out for special forces and stuff in Australia, and it's like it sounds so intense, and but it sounds almost creative some of the stuff they do to try and break the candidates. Whereas that sounds kind of simple, like just
1: drop you in a sandpit and then just work you to the bone. They did some they, they did some cool games, like they so they gave us like a map. Um, so in Israel, everything's in Hebrew, um, and my Hebrew wasn't the strongest so they gave us a map and they said memorize the map and a day later um they quizzed you on the map and i was actually very lucky in the in the tryout because i didn't i couldn't really like read and memorize the street names so i was just memorizing like the objects so like there was three ships in the sea there were a few birds in the sky like there were buildings that had four stories um and the first question they asked is how many ships were in the sea and yeah I was stoked obviously yeah (laughs) because it was was the one thing I knew but um clearly wasn't enough anyway so yeah yeah gotcha
0: okay so you you went through that how for two years well not how maybe there was some good stuff in there but you got back to Australia pretty fast, it sounds like afterwards, and you jumped into that um, degree. Um, You did that for a year and a half, and Mm -hmm. it sounds like you started the web agency while you were studying, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what year are we in at this point, like, 2000? This is in
1: 2019. Gotcha. So I got back at the end of 2018. Yep. um, And yeah, 2000, beginning March 2019, I started university. Um, and I started the, the web development agency. It was pretty much just a friend of mine, um, still a very good friend of mine. Um, he had already started a digital marketing agency. Um, and we spoke a lot about how important it is to be like digitally literate, like just understand um, how to build websites. The problem that we had with all of our ideas is... You're, you're immediately met with, well, like, how are we going to get this out to the public? We need a website. But now if you want to get a website, you have to pay thousands of dollars, which we didn't have. Um, so we kind of just jumped in the deep end. And it was hard. Like, we sucked. <laughs> we, we sucked so much. Um, and, yeah, like, we went to – I remember we went to one client. Caulfield Endoscopy was the client. And I'm happy to call them out a thousand times over. <laughs> <laughs> and um, – it was a referral as well for my sister's agency. Um, so we had to be like buttoned up, you know what I mean? We were also representing them. And we presented them with a, a design of the product. So we haven't even started building yet. Um, and they just absolutely roasted us in that, in that meeting. It was, look, it was completely out of line on their part because we were also, we were young, we were obviously trying our best and we were happy to make any changes they wanted. Um, but the lady behind, was just an absolute nightmare, um, and yeah, it got to the point where we're like, "All right, this is it. Like, this is the end of this project. We're not going to work on it any any further." Um, but yeah, we learned we learned tough love pretty pretty quick. <laughs>
0: so you'd already created the website
1: for them, or this was the first design. This is like, the this is the design, yeah. Right, and she was roasting you over the design. Like, I haven't I haven't received a roast like that in in my life really, and I was and I, and that's coming from the army. Yeah. Um, She just, like, like she used a few, um, I'm not going to be able to remember, but she used a few lines that just, like, she knew that I had served in the army as well, that it was basically saying that, like, from a military background, you should know better than this, like, like being rude, like. Wow. But, uh yeah, it's, it's a nice daughter like on
0: a really bad day. Yeah, Maybe a bad person on a really bad day by the sounds. I've never heard anything like that at and, that stage of a project.
1: And, and her daughter, I remember this, her daughter was in the meeting as well and like she was looking over at her daughter and her daughter like intervened at certain points saying how the client's always right. And I'm just thinking like the daughter's daughter was only about a year or two older than us and we kind of knew her. I'm just thinking, like, well, what, are you, like, What's what going is on going here? on here? Yeah, you yeah, know? that's really um, bizarre.
0: So that was your first client. Did you end up finishing that project, or
1: that was not our first client? That was should, should have been about our fifth or sixth client. Right. We didn't finish the project. There was no ways that project was going to be finished um, after that meeting. Um, but we did some pretty cool websites, like Philippa's Bakery, yep. um, and yeah, like that was probably our best website that we did. Um, but what I learned there, which was pretty, like, it was a very valuable lesson, I would say, is that templates in websites are very good. Like, people feel that they need a fully customized website and it needs to be bespoke and natively built and all that kind of crap. To be honest with you, you know, if you go onto Shopify and you pay the two hundred and twenty US dollars for whatever the template is, you're going to get a great result. Um, a lot of what we were doing, like we, when we were trying to build these bespoke sites, you know, you could have the same structures in certain elements on the pay. Like it just, it, it was a no brainer to just pay the 220 and just take the template, you know? Okay. Um, but yeah, even now with like any further business ventures, the first thing I say is if we're selling on e-commerce, if we're selling on Shopify, sorry, um, we are using a template.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's a really good point. And template is kind of a dirty word to a lot of clients. They think that, oh, template, that's cheap, but... If you jump on like Invado or anything like that. The, the top templates usually have like hundred thousand plus downloads or more, and people are paying like fifty bucks a download. So if you do the numbers, they're making millions of dollars off these templates, and they've got teams invested in making those templates rock solid and having tons of different functionality. So. What you're getting from those templates is a lot better than what you're going to get from one developer putting together a custom website for you. And But yeah, it's a really good point. A lot of people don't understand that.
1: Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, but yeah, so, so that was pretty much the digital agency. And while we are in the digital agency, we came across the concept of tapping a card on someone's phone. Um, and as soon as we saw it, we were like, holy shit, like this is awesome. <laughs> Where did you see it? We saw it on like, it was an ad. It was, a, it was an ad on social media, but how they were using it is it was for social media. So if you're an Instagram influencer, you could tap the card and open up an Instagram profile. As soon as we saw it, we were like, there is money here. Like this is unbelievable. Um, there's so many different variations of this tech that we could do. And um, over time, we just landed on the business card. We spoke about it a lot. Um, Now, that friend, he ended up, he actually went on and started a business called Render. I don't know if you've heard of Render, um, but they do an on-demand delivery service for like retail. Um, And it's doing very well, at least from what I can see and from what I've heard from him. Um, Got an awesome team. And so he pretty much said, like, I believe in the idea of Tapped and I think it's going to do very well. But I got to pick and choose Um, and they were pretty well funded at that stage. So we, we had decided to go our own separate ways. I would take on tapped. He would go on with Brenda. Um, and it was good. It was, it was a mutual understanding that, you know, he knew that he couldn't give a hundred percent to it. Um, and he knew that I would have wanted a hundred percent from him. Um, and so it was good that we got past that pretty early. Um, and we're still best mates now, you know? Yeah. Was this uh, early 2020 or is this still 2019? This is still 2019. Yeah. We're talking probably about August. Okay.
0: Um, yeah. So you've been working on this web agency together. And at this point, have you pulled the pin on the studies or is that still happening? Still in the still happening. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, gotcha. So you're doing that. You've decided to go your separate ways um, with your best mate. Um, he's going to run Render. You're going to do Tapped. Um, and this is late to, uh, 2019. What happens from there?
1: Yeah, so um, we just started. We just started trying stuff. You know, like we we started off. We, we understood that the technology that was being used was NFC. We knew nothing about it, um, so we got excited by it. We we just went out to buy um, an NFC. I looked up online like where to buy an NFC card. Um, I, I drove out somewhere to buy this NFC card, and when I came home to try program it, um, I realized I didn't have a programmer to program the NFC. So then I found that um, on Android devices, you can actually program an NFC um, card. So one of my friends had an Android phone, so I went over to his house. I'm like, listen, I've got this cool thing. I'm keen to try it, um, and it just wouldn't program. Um, And then I quickly learned that there are different types of NFC chips, you know, and uh, so the only, an NTAG 213 chip is the only one that works with smartphones. Um, So then, um, and those ones were more difficult to get from a storefront. Uh, So then I went online, bought bought a few of the cards, bought a programmer um, all at once. And then the problem was, so with an NFC chip, you can actually program a v card like a, a contact um directly into the chip but and so i saw that i was like well, what like i'll just program someone's contact directly onto the card you tap it it opens up straight into contacts um but then but then i learned that there were restrictions um, on what information you can actually pass over via the smartphone with nfc um so Again, we programmed it and I'm standing there like trying to tap it on the phone and it's just not working. And you, you look on Google, like why is my, why is my card not tapping? And um, eventually we, we figured out that it had to be through a hyperlink. Um, so then the problem was, was, well, how do we create these hyperlinks? Um, and and it kind of you can, you can understand the progression of it, but that's literally um, the problem solving that we went through. Um, and then, yeah, the first site I actually built myself um, at now, looking back on it, I, I've, I've read the Lean Startup and I, I absolutely love it. Um, and looking back on it, it was definitely our minimum viable product without a doubt. But, um, you know, back then I would have had no idea what the minimum viable product was. Um, but, yeah, initially how it was built, it was a Shopify template, built, built site. And when you placed the order, you received an email um, with access to a form you clicked, you filled in the form with your contact information and then I would manually create a page for each person that purchased a card. That's how we started. Um, And I was... We knew that it sucked. Like the the user experience there was not great but um, we just wanted to get it out there. Um, At this stage, I had like no money. My parents were pretty much funding the the whole project Um, and yeah, so I pretty much... We did that for the first few... What happened from there? Uh, so then we, we planned, once that was all created, we planned to launch on on the 1st of March. Um, and as we all know, like this is about two months ahead of time. So in January, we said we're going to launch in March just because January, no one's really around. Um, and we, there were a few bugs that we wanted to fix before um, March. But anyways, we planned to launch the 1st of March with this huge launch campaign ready to go. Um, we were going to throw some money into into social ads, you know something into LinkedIn as well, um, and then obviously COVID um, happened, and we had the debate. Well, what do we do here? Do we launch the product? We know the people are not going to be going to business meetings, so why the hell would they need a business card? Um, or do we uh, do we just hold off and wait to see what happens? Um, and yeah, we decided to to launch the product. Um, great decision, um, looking back on it. And we said, you know. We don't have any patent against our product. Uh, it's, it's existing technology. NFC has been around for a while. Um, so we said, you know what, like we'll compete. That's, that's, that's what it is. All ideas right now are commodities. Everyone can create it in some way, shape or form. Um, you just got to be able to, to and want to fight for it. Um, and yeah, for the first three months, we had very few sales. Um, but we did see that there was a good response generally on social media like people were saying this is very cool there were a few executives from big companies that purchased a single card um, and and yeah that's when we started to engage developers and we built the now it's a platform where you buy the card and then you get access to a dashboard and you can um, you can edit you can log in um, you know, apply all your contact details change all those details whenever you want um, you know get some analytics on your card um, yeah, so about June, July, that's when the real development happened. We had about three months of that MVP. We realized, you know, this, is, this could be a business. Um, and then, yeah, we moved, we moved yeah. on to that development.
0: In that initial stage, uh, we you still basically working off uh, what your parents were providing, or did you get any additional investment? And, and also, who was working in it? Because you said, we, along that um, time frame. Who else yeah. was working on it at that stage?
1: I just at that time it was pretty much just me. I, yeah. I just naturally say I like to talk about tapped as we, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. which is which is why I've been saying we. Um, but yeah, we didn't take on any funding. We we, we thought about it. Um, I met with one man, like a, a family friend, and I said like Listen, I I think this product's great. There's so many different ways that it can make money. Um, like this is the time to raise money. You know. And he said, "Wait three months. Just get it out to the public, and just wait three months." And it was the best piece of advice anyone could ever give me, Um, because you know what a hundred grand would have got me back then, versus you know a hundred grand back then in terms of equity versus what it would be now. um, It's just you you can't you can't equate what it could be. Um, Yeah. So just to
0: really dumb that down, he was saying, wait, get it out there because the value of this business is going to be a lot higher and if you sell equity now, you're going to regret what you sold it for later. Is that what you mean? Yeah,
1: meant? Yeah, I suppose. I think he also meant, because technically we didn't know if it was going to be a great idea, it was more the fact that he knew that any money that we bought on, we were going to have to give a large chunk of the business up. Mm. Um, and you know, when you're starting a business and you want to put all your blood, sweat and tears into it. Um, knowing that there's somebody that's put a small amount of money and got such a big size of the pie, it's just, it'll kill you, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I can tell you, like, I've got I've got someone who's got 5% equity in my business now. And there's times where it eats me up knowing that they do absolutely nothing for that 5% now. Yeah. Um, so I feel like we got away with murder because we could have easily lost 20, 20 30, 40% equity yeah. in our business back then. Yeah um and And did he
0: ever end up investing or
1: we've we have not taken on taken on any funding right we're we're a profitable business um
0: so that five percent what did you give or what did you receive for that
1: we got so we got marketing services yeah um and yeah we we essentially what happened was it was my sister Mm -hmm. um and she had a digital marketing agency and we couldn't afford any marketing so Mm -hmm. The plan was to bring her on um, and over a period of time, she would consume equity. Um, and she worked hard on it. She did. She, uh, and after a six months period, we realized that the marketing that we were doing and the investment we put into social ads wasn't really converting. Um, and we were also fighting so much mm-hmm. and like, you know, when, when, when family gets in between like a business, it's just like, it's so it's, it's such an off putting thing. So, um, we decided to go our own ways. Um, and yeah, we, we ended up paying her for all the hours that her staff put into tapped. So mm-hmm. We paid her out, technically mm-hmm. whatever work or whatever expenses she would have consumed. Um, and she also got a percentage of equity. Um, my One of my, like my senior advisors, somebody who always helps me, he said, just give her whatever she wants. <laughs> whatever she wants, just say, take it it's not worth having a a whole family feud over and that's what we did um so i get comfort knowing that it's my sister because i want her to do very well you know yeah Um, and the relationship's good and, and the relationship's good yeah cool um but yeah it's it does at times annoy me that you know
0: yeah, there's a big difference between 95 and 100, isn't there? <laughs> Especially when it comes to ownership.
1: Well, yeah, the way you, when you say it like that, you make me feel like an idiot because 95 and 100 are No, <laughs> not, not at all.
0: It's a serious thing. Like it, just having that little bit outstanding, it's it's yeah, I yeah. can see how that would be a gripe even if it is your sister like at yeah. least it is someone that you like and care about. Like imagine if it was a random that you just had to get off the yeah. books. So yeah, okay. Well, that's pretty interesting and that's it. I think that's a really good tip there um, to not give away equity too early and be very, very considerate in if you are going to do it, who you give it to and what you give it away for. So you're in that situation and around mid last year, you had a couple of or a few people starting to buy it, some high-level execs. Um, yeah where did they come from seeing social ads or was it more referral or
1: so we we have a bit of a bit of a unique marketing strategy and i tell everyone about our strategy um it's it's pretty much a linkedin influencer marketing strategy um and and i'd love to get your take on it given you're in marketing but um I just feel like it's a it's a it's a very untapped market. Um, I think with our product, it sits very very well because it is, you know, sustainable. It is contact free. It is tech savvy. It does hit all those pressure points. Um, so yeah, we essentially um, get people with status on LinkedIn to post videos of their cards in action, which which I'm sure you're going to do after this podcast. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> got my card here,
0: which was received. I think I. Uh, by the time I put the details in, I got it like two days later when Franco came in. Uh, I was super impressed with the turnaround and it, it looks great. It's very slick and it works, most importantly. You tap it and it gives the details straight away. And I'm excited to get a bit more creative with it because, you know, you can add files and all that sort of thing to it. So, yeah, yeah. very cool. Sorry, <laughs> keep going. This, uh...
1: Yeah, so like uh, we've, I, would, I would attribute 90% of tap success to this LinkedIn campaign. Um, I think that it's been unbelievable. We can see direct response. We can see a a direct relationship between sales um, and these posts. Um, And, you know, the the truth is, is that we're providing a product that people want and need. Like, uh, the thing that annoys the hell out of me in business generally is when um, people are selling a product that they don't even believe in themselves, you know? Yeah. Um, And... I can truly say that if you're in the business card market, I genuinely believe that if you go out and buy a box of 500 business cards over hours, you are in and over your head. You're being an absolute idiot. Mm. Um, so you know, with that belief as well, I just feel like that conviction um, really, really helps drive t- drives tap. And I know that the whole team um, feels the same way, um, and we can see it as well, just based on the response we get. Um, but yeah, so so we started that campaign. Um, towards the end of last year, and yeah, we've had we've, we've had compounding growth of about 19 20 percent um, month on month. Um, this this month we're we're projected to do about eighty percent. Um, awesome. But yeah, that's mainly because of end of financial year. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. people people like the idea of getting thirty percent off. You know, yeah. right? It's straight off.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> The, from a marketing perspective I think you've been really smart I mean there's there's two things you are capitalizing on firstly focus a lot of businesses will spread their marketing budget too thin like they'll try and do Facebook Google everything at once and never really capitalize on one channel so just focusing on LinkedIn makes a lot of sense and obviously for the target market LinkedIn is a, a great one and then also social proof um, social proof is massive a lot of people underestimate it and don't make enough effort to include it in their campaign so Um, Yeah, very smart, and I'm not surprised that you're doing really well with it. Plus, you've got a good product, um, and like you said, that conviction and belief in what you sell definitely shines through in marketing materials, and um, you guys have got good video content. Um, and so we've got Franco here today with the camera um, shooting. Um, so yeah, you, you switched on. I think you're hitting all, all the right points in terms of marketing. Mm. Um, and that's impressive growth. So the 80%, obviously the um, end of year, like you said, but is coming out of COVID helping a fair bit as well because Absolutely. people are starting to you know get out and about and interact
1: a bit more. Absolutely. Look, the, the, the bottom line is, if you're in business, particularly if you're in that sales kind of function in a business, you have to have a business card with you at all times. Um, and people hate carrying stacks of cardboard in their in their pockets. Yeah. Um, and also now, because of COVID, you know they are people are more hygiene conscious. They don't want to receive a physical card. Um, so this is the perfect segue. You know you can have a you can have a contact free card. You only have to carry one in your wallet. Um, look, the timing has been pretty good. We've been very, we've been very lucky um, with the timing, but I also hate using the word luck generally because I think we've worked our absolute asses off everyone in the team um, to get to where we are now. Um, But yeah, it's, it's, it's super exciting. It's good to, it's good to see that we're, we're getting reward for effort. Um, And we've got like these, we've got some crazy updates coming out that I think is just going to dominate the market. I think anything you can share or is it under wraps? Um, and it's a, we're pretty open book. All ideas are commodities just generally have, I've used that line already before, but, um, I say it to my team all the time, um, yeah, like right now we're working on a two way transaction. Um, so you've got your card, you tap it on my phone, I get your contact details, but what about creating a reciprocal transaction where I get yours? Um, then we're, it's, it is a small pivot because now we're looking more at a lead gen tool, um, as opposed to a business card, um, so I think that's the next big step for us. Um, and even taking it one step further and, and funneling that straight through a CRM system. You know? So it, particularly in large um, corporates, you've got, you've got a lot of staff and, and the problem that they've got is that it's hard to get everyone to put all their leads through their CRM. Mm. Um, so this becomes a really good tool where you know, it's a very seamless. You, know, you meet someone in person, Yep. you tap your card, and all of a sudden you can you can funnel those details directly into your CRM. Mm-hmm. And and as we know, like with net, with CRM optimization now, you can pretty much guarantee that if you've got ten people that hit a prospect in your CRM, you're going to make ten percent. Ten percent of those people are going to be um, are going to convert to a sale. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can almost see a direct relationship now between meeting people with a business card and sales. So we're really just trying to trying to find that. Um, in the market I think just generally speaking like our, our overall thesis is that with LinkedIn um, and social media um, and a lot of this like digital connecting Zoom voice calls all these type of things um, what's going to happen over time is that a face-to-face meeting um, is is just going to be the apex it's going to be everything you know um, it's going to be very very important um, so how do you make that experience most worthwhile yeah yeah um, yeah yeah and there's so
0: many things you can do i mean like you said obviously the reciprocal transfer of information entering them automatically into crm and then from there like automatically trigger off nurturing sequences for someone that you've met in person um, rather than having them you know sign up through an ad or whatever meet them in person and then send them an email sequence to keep nurturing that relationship yeah um what about from the data perspective have you got lands down the track because i mean you'd be collecting some pretty important or useful data there like as the network grows and more and more people use the card you're going to be capturing okay this person met that person that person met mm. that person etc etc have you factored that into the equation for the long-term vision
1: we have looked at that a little bit um we've been trying to think about how we can use that data to most benefit our card holders mm. you know and like things like networking events if we know that um, at a specific location that we can see that you know people are meeting s- certain accountants or like um you know you've got if we can see that there's two industries that are coming together we can now host an event where we can actually bring these people together mm-hmm. um so i think f- long term like that would be the most the best use of that data from a tap perspective but to be honest with you we're very limited with what we can do with that um we do Have some pretty strict privacy policies and um, so the the only use for that kind of data will be um, you know firstly it has to be an opt-in where they have to say hey listen um, if you you know we accept you using this data for uh, potential events or things like that Um, and then once they're opt-in it's about how can we provide them with the most amount of value gotcha Um, is there
0: anything like um, adding discounts or, you know, making arrangements with different businesses so that you can walk in and, you know, get a cheaper coffee or anything like that? Or is there anything like that you'll throw into yeah, the Yeah,
1: yeah. So we've, it's it's funny that you say that because we're, we're, Franco's having a smile at me. Yeah, we, we've been talking about that a lot. Um, just just as like our coffee shop up the road, like they give us a card and they whole punch the amount of coffees you've got. Um yeah there's definitely things we can do there i still think it's a longer it's a bit of a longer term um you know addition to the product uh right now we're just trying to perfect that contact exchange like Mm -hmm. really just nail it down so it's it's the optimal um, product and then once we've got that we can then start to move around a little bit and try things create create a few other MVPs. and
0: yeah 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 i mean there's so many paths you can go Uh, but i hope it all works i mean i hate how analog some things are still um i went to estonia a few years ago and learned about their digital passport and everything and Mm -hmm. i was just like this makes so much sense why have we not got like an identification system like this like they can lose their digital id and they can literally print another one or um they have like a thing they just plug into their computer with usb and they can create another one and it's just like, it makes so much sense. It's so logical. It's not even cutting edge technology. It's just using what's there. Um, why do we have to have like a license ID that comes from Vic Rhodes and you have to apply for it and get posted and all this crap? Like something like this could have all your critical information on it and, you know, have security protocols in place so that it can be protected. But yeah, yeah.
1: It yeah, well, New South Wales have got their IDs. Um, have on they? Their, yeah, there's an app on, on their phones. Okay, that's where cool. Where you can have your driver's license. Yep. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure. Not sure about Victoria. Yeah, it really seems I to, haven't heard about it. I hope yeah. it's
0: on the way. But yeah, it yeah. makes total sense. Yeah. So you mentioned the team a couple of times. How many people are on the taps team now?
1: We've got five, including me. Yep. Um, and yeah, it's it's fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah well, I mean, that's I, I, I love my team.
0: It's small team, but that's big growth from you a year ago, right? Or less yeah. than a year ago. So yeah. um, you've got obviously Franco, who's here, who we've mentioned. Um, He's the worst. He's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> How have you gone about selecting um, team members? Because just like giving equity in the business away is really something that you need to consider carefully. Mm. Getting those initial team members is super important as well because yeah. particularly in a small pe- small team, um, you know, if you've got five, every person is twenty percent of the team, right? And if you've got a bad egg in there, that can spread really quickly. So, yeah. what are, have you given any a lot of
1: consideration to hires, or what process have you been through? It's, it's, it's right now. I'd say it's probably one of my weakest skills. Um, I've just gotten really lucky, <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I, I definitely struggle with it with hiring. Um, a lot of the time, I just leave it up to my gut feel, and it, it has worked out um but yeah the biggest problem that I have with staffing generally is keeping people engaged you know like I'm a very incentive driven person so you know if you tell me that I you know if I could run to that poll and back and I get five dollars you know what I mean like I'm gonna run to that poll and, and, and come back you know um, and so like how can you apply that to like the workspace where I don't have to worry about whether they're working hard because they actually want to work hard um, so recently I've been yeah, I put Pretty much all of our employees are on incentive packages. Um, you know, they all have the ability to earn a lot of money. They do. Um, and I like it like that. I want it to be like that. Um, and I think it creates a good culture in the office, you know, because everyone wants to be there. Everyone's working towards the same goal. Right now we're small enough where every component of the team is very important. If one of them, if one of the pillars fall, we're in big trouble. Um, and... Yeah, I think the, given that they've got those incentives, it makes them sprint as opposed to jog, mm. you know? Have
0: you seen change in behaviour since implementing those incentives? Because it's, I totally get the mindset you're talking about for yourself. I'm a little bit like that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, like it can be numbers driven sometimes or just goal specific goal driven, but mm-hmm. not everyone resonates with that kind of um, way of operating. Like some people need to be really feel like what they're doing is contributing or you know there's different personality mm. types so have you found that that's working for everyone or is it do you think you've got some in the team that you know you need to provide a, a bit of a maybe a more a touchy feel sort of situation for them
1: yeah um, I think for the good majority of them they they're pretty they work harder with the incentive package I know the Franco, we could pretty much put on no money and he'd, he'd work it <laughs> <attacked>. out. <laughs> um, so some of them don't need any incentives at all, you yeah. know. Um, but yeah, j- just generally think like we, we, we come together as often as possible and we speak about like the direction that we're moving and the goals. And, and I try, I haven't done it recently because of the Melbourne lockdown, but I try to go for a walk with each of my staff members one-on-one and talk about what I can improve on and what they can improve on. Um, and, yeah, I, I just think that the, the environment that I want it to be is that, at, for whatever reason, they can come and ask me anything at all, you know? Um, and I think it works well in our office space, but we'll see as things get bigger, you know? We're, we're looking to hire more people. Um, any managers out there, please come. <laughs> <play>. <laughs> but, um yeah, we're looking to hire more people. Um, and, and I hope that it stays like that. I want to be the first point of call with pretty much anything. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, cool.
0: Yeah. Uh, account managers, yeah, you guys
1: are looking for? Account managers slash managers generally. Gotcha. Uh, we've got a lot of, so with our process, like with our processing for large companies, there is a bit of an onboarding process. Um, and it would be good to have someone that can assist with that um, right now from a sales perspective. Um, you know, we're just getting absolutely flooded with admin, basically, yeah. as opposed yeah. to going out and selling. Um, so, yeah, I think that's definitely our next hire. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's a tough market right now. It's, it's, there's everyone I talk to in recruitment, they say it's, it's really tough out there. Um, I've been doing a bit of headhunting, so I I send a lot of messages on LinkedIn Um, and I genuinely believe there's a huge amount of opportunity, like I I believe from the bottom of my heart that anyone who joins the team now, if they apply themselves, um, I think firstly, everyone in the team, everyone's good, like they were good people, you know, that didn't come out very well, but (laughs) we are good people. (laughs) Um, And I think the opportunity is there for growth um, as the business grows. Um, And I know from an employment perspective, it doesn't sound so flashy, but I kind of rave at the fact that we haven't actually raised capital yet, you know, we haven't needed to, we're a profitable business, which means we're not, I've seen, I've got a lot of friends that have just raised a lot of money, you know, and they can hire 15 people, um, but it doesn't necessarily convert to results. Um, whereas with us because we don't have that we are very result driven you know it's how many sales we bring in how many videos we get on linkedin how many people come to our website there's a there's a direct metric to everything that we do Um, and no amount of money that anyone could give us will although it may increase it, it it will lose the you know the richness of it that we've got now yeah yeah
0: This episode of Sticky Beak is brought to you by Digital Deluxe. If you're sick of digital agencies that overpromise and underdeliver, you need to speak to Digital Deluxe. We can't guarantee miracles, but we can guarantee great service and a logical, ROI-focused approach. Visit www.digitaldeluxe.com.au forward slash Sticky Beak to access our special offer for Sticky Beak listeners. Approach can be so valuable for building a business that performs better later on as well. Like, I think some businesses definitely get over invested in early on, and it leads to sloppy behavior and not systemizing. And they just spend money on things that aren't really contributing to the bottom line, and then it's hard to scale off that. So, it's a really good point there. Um, in terms of getting investment, do you think there will be a point where you look at it, or are you hoping to just keep growing based on? the existing model
1: there will be a point um we're going to avoid it as much as we can um but we have we have opportunities all the time for people to invest um but it's just about finding the right people because we don't necessarily need the money um it's about what value that person's going to bring to the business um which you know it's a a big strength of us we're not needy at all you know so if you're going to come and you're going to join the team that's great we'll love to have you but bring something with it, you know. Don't just throw money at us because it's not going to do anything. Um, but, yeah, we, we will ha- we will raise capital eventually. Potentially if we wanted to, you know, pivot a lot and go into a rewards platform or go into something else, you know, yeah. that we were speaking about, that's when, you know, all of a sudden we want to build, although a minimum viable product would be nice, we still have a reputation to maintain. We can't now release a buggy app, you know. So um, all of a sudden we need we need money to build these things. Um, so that's when I can see that coming into play. But right now we take it we take it day by day. Let alone you yeah, know yeah. week by week, month by month. We're we're very much every day as it comes. So when the opportunity comes, we'll we'll hopefully make the right decision. You yeah,
0: know. Gotcha. Have you hired any? Because you're a pretty young guy, right? Um, have you hired any older staff yet, or is your team pretty? Young.
1: they're all older than me yeah all older than me who's
0: the oldest star or how old is the, the oldest we got is um 34 was there any hesitation from him or her in joining the team or
1: was it i'm sure there was um, i'm sure there was um they weren't too happy with my interviewing style
0: <laughs> they let you know that did they They,
1: they let me know that <laughs> um but again you know i I let them work for themselves. They're not they're not directly answerable to me. You know, if if they don't get results, then they're going to face the consequences themselves. You know, it's I think regardless of age, it, it really shouldn't matter. Um, and I, I said this to my sister the other day as well. Like with with my staff, I try to show them that I'm working there's never a time that I'll ever tell them to do something that I have not done. And I know a lot of, it's very cliche, you know, you'll hear it from a lot of people, but every single thing that I tell them or advise them to do, I've done research into, I've I've, I've provided a little bit, you know, at least the first little step to that process. Um, so it's not necessarily, I'm not, I'm telling you now, I'm not the nicest boss either. Like I can be tough. Um, and they can hate me sometimes, but um yeah I think if you show your staff that you're working your ass off and everything that you're giving them and doing for them is for them um I think that you get a mutual respect regardless of age um yeah that's
0: cool yeah I know that it can be a challenge we've spoken to a few founders that are quite young and getting that older talent can be yeah a bit of a challenge because obviously you know for some people, there's a lot of ego involved and getting a, someone paying your bills or paying your way who's 10, 20 years younger than you can be a bit, a bit much to buy it off. So I was just interested to know what you've been able to do in that space. Yeah. In terms of the incentives scheme, I'm, I'm interested to pick your brain a bit there because it's pretty easy to incentivise people who are tied to sales, right, like yeah. salespeople or anyone who's directly influencing um, inflow of revenue. But for staff that aren't directly tied to that, what kind of things have you been putting in place for those incentive programs? And also for, you mentioned, it sounds like you've got metrics in place for each staff member. So it's evident if they're not performing to the level that they need to. So how have you achieved that?
1: Yeah, like uh, just an example, for instance, we've got someone who helps design the cards, Mai. She's an absolute legend. Yeah,
0: (laughs) Mai sent me the email. Mai
1: sent you the email. Um, So she gets paid per card that she designs um and then there's also a penalty where if she makes a mistake in a print or something like that she'll pay the penalty mm-hmm. um now over a week two weeks month um she can make really good money in that um sorry so the penalty
0: would come off her bonus or whatever yeah, so if she's 100 done 100 bonus. cards and she makes it gets a $20 penalty that comes out of the $100 the, yeah, she exactly. doesn't have to come in and actually give you yeah 50, yeah yeah, 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 there, yeah. Yep, so, yep,
1: yep. So that that comes out of her commission yeah um so that's just an example of like one of the incentive structures we'll put in place um obviously sales there's it's it's pretty it's Mm. pretty simple uh with those um but yeah that that those are really the 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 main metrics we do have one person in logistics who at the moment isn't incentivized but Mm -hmm. um they're still very early in the business they've only been around for about two three weeks yeah um so you know you're not going to come in the door with an incentive but over time if we can see that you're going to be the one who sticks around Mm -hmm. we're going to incentivize you to do that gotcha Yeah. yeah yeah
0: that makes sense Um, Also interested to hear your take on systems and systemization. You mentioned you started out with the Shopify store and you're basically doing it all manually. Mm -hmm. Um, How important has it been for you to create systems and what what process have you followed to develop those systems?
1: My process is going to Google and saying, how do I do this? (laughs) And um, then whatever the first the average of the first five results tell me that is what i do yeah um everything is at our disposal i don't code Uh, like i suppose i can do a a little bit of code i can do a little bit of html css java a bit of this and that but still still now when i'm looking up css code like i'll say like how do i write this in css you know i i don't understand When, when people ask me questions like for instance like with Adobe is an example like Adobe there's obviously design tools and things like that now some of the skills are, are, are quite difficult to learn um, but like the basic skills um, if one Google search will show you 15 results of exactly how to do it and it's like three clicks you can watch a YouTube video and it'll take you even to the cut of it now you know it takes you the 20 seconds there's just no excuses now yeah, um, yeah like
0: but that's the first step though right like you can learn how to do it and Mm -hmm. that's one thing but then in terms of creating a system for your business so like you knew how to manually do the the work Mm -hmm. from shopify um you probably know the whole process back to front Mm -hmm. as it is now but then for may my may uh my sorry yeah There's obviously a system that's in place for her because, I mean, like I said, from putting my details into getting the card was like two days. I got the email from my and... Um, you've obviously got a system there. So, do you guys have like a project management system with checklists, or what? What do you do to manage that?
1: Yeah, we've got a we've got a, we use HubSpot as a CRM. So you've yep. got some um, like service management tools. Yeah. My as an example, though, she's she's a, she's been tapped for the longest. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we started off where I would send her a spreadsheet of the cards that she would do every day. And we always talk about, we laugh about the process that we started with versus the process that we have now. Um, And yeah, I think overall, like I'm all about just putting it out there, trying and we'll change. Yeah. We'll adapt. Yeah. Um, and, And I say that all the time, like there's no, there's no, no in our business. It is, let's put it out to the market. Let's see what they they how they react, what they say about it. And then, based on that, we'll we'll change, um, and that's come with our our systems and processes as well. You know, we've tried different ways of doing things, um, and we can you can very quickly tell if you've done the right thing or the wrong thing. And if you've done the wrong thing, it's about changing so that it becomes the right thing. Um, trial and error. That's that's basically how we've got to the systems and processes we are like we have today. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha.
0: Um, in terms of outside the business, um, you know, it can, when you're starting out, particularly when you're younger and you've got energy and everything, you can, it quickly becomes everything for you, right? Do you do anything to try and block time to make sure that, you know, you're not pure, at like, 100% of the time tapped and doing some other things to, you know, keep your brain fresh?
1: Um, I play footy. Yep. Who do you play for? I play for Ajax. Ajax. Oh yeah, cool. Yeah, the yeah. coach doesn't like me very much. <laughs> <but> <laughs> and I'm not a very good player, but um, yeah, I play Ajax. Um, look, it's probably that's another big weakness of mine. I'm pretty, I'm pretty all in on tapped. Like my, I work stupid hours. I love it. Like that's the truth of it. I, I love what I do, um, but I also, I'm, I'm, I'm an ideas man. I love talking about ideas. Like recently. Particularly in the last month, I've had a lot of people that have reached out with different ideas and sitting with them and talking through the ideas. And there are potentially some businesses that will come out of it or there could be nothing that comes out of it. But, um, yeah, I think a lot like too much of my time is tapped. I spend I spend most Saturday mornings and Sunday afternoons in the office. Yeah. Um, Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah well I mean if you've got the energy and enthusiasm for it you, you might as well do it right follow it um, and I know for a lot of um, founders that taking advantage of those years before family and stuff come into the picture as in your own family um, can be pretty advantageous because yeah. it becomes a lot more difficult to find those hours once you have kids oh. and wife and
1: those mm-hmm. sort of things in the picture in my 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 friendship group we're, we're kind of like a family we're, we're yeah. very very close and they they just think I'm an absolute moron. They they think I'm they don't actually think I'm a moron, but they just think that like I'm I'm pissing away the best years, um, you know the best years of our lives. Um, yeah. But yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see what happens in a few years.
0: What's the alternative, especially during COVID? Well, that's, you can't travel.
1: That's what I always say to myself. I always say to myself like, if I wasn't doing this, I would just be miserable. Like I would just I would not be happy. Um, and there has been times where I've done nothing, and I can just feel myself drift. You know, I can feel myself, you know, get, get really sad just generally. Um, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be doing this for the rest of my life. It may not be tapped forever. Probably won't be tapped forever. But um, there'll be something going. There'll be something, something I'm working on. I hope that, like, in the next few years, um, I would love to take like, like a good six month chunk and just go travel and travel the world. Um, I missed that gap year that all my friends had, um, and I have travelled a little bit, but I haven't seen a lot of the places I'd like to see. I'd also love to go live in a different country or different, you know, different city. Even like moving up to Sydney for six months. Um, I always tell my friends that I'm going to do that as well. That's when, just by the way, a secret ambition of mine is when Tapped, <laughs> when Tapped does take on funding and we do want to expand or create an office in Sydney. That's when I'm going to say, hey, listen. I want to move to Sydney. I want you to put me up there. And that will probably be the time that I go there. Sydney's new <laughs> HQ yeah. and pad for Elon. I can tell you, my, I've got friends, in, I've got quite a few friends in Sydney and the hustle in Sydney versus the hustle in Melbourne are not equivalent. The guys out there are working their absolute asses off. The fact that like this, The suburbs there, to buy a house is a ridiculous sum of money. They understand that if they don't work their asses off, they cannot maintain this lifestyle. Um, and I think it's something that Melbourne misses. Melbourne, um, you can get a lot of people that, that get complacent. They feel that, you know, um, life's good. Like, I'll just chill out. I'll take my time. I'll do my university. I'll get a job for five years, you know, and then potentially then I'll start building up. Whereas Sydney, it's go, go, go. It's There's no slowing down. Um, and that's why I'm also keen to, to have a go there because I want to see – A lot of my friends for instance they're not particularly uh, they don't all have businesses going for them they don't all have full-time jobs Um, whereas in Sydney I feel like pretty much all my friends have full-time jobs all of them have businesses on the go so it'd be cool to surround myself with that kind of Mm. group and atmosphere and see what happens
0: Mm. it's an interesting perspective I haven't really thought about that difference between Melbourne and Sydney and I've also, I like, I always thought of Queensland as being a lot more relaxed than um, Melbourne and Victoria in general because I was born up there and I've got family up there and I know the sort of vibe up there. It's still a great state.
1: Where, where in Queensland?
0: Uh, I was born in Townsville, so way up north, mm. um, and it's very different culture up there. But even like, I was up in Brisbane before lockdown and, you know, it's still kind of chill compared to Melbourne. Um, and Sydney, yeah, I haven't really noticed that difference between Sydney and Melbourne, but it, Interesting. Um, I've always thought Sydney has a bit of a mixture because they have good beaches and stuff. So there is a little bit of like laid back vibe as well. And I've kind of felt like Melbourne's the hustle city because it's cold, shitty weather. you got to kind of got to work to make things fun here. Like the you get some summer, but it's, yeah. you know, that's why we have to keep F1 here and keep the tennis here and all that because we don't have any like as much natural stuff going for us. So yeah, yeah interesting that that you think goes the other way but there's definitely a lot more hqs and stuff up there so it makes
1: sense Um, it could could just be my 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 group of friends could be could Could. be
0: but you might be on the money um yeah it's an interesting one um in terms of future growth plans for tap do you you think you'll go international at any point or is the main focus on just capitalizing on the australian market
1: we're we're already pretty international um like in terms of percentages we're probably only sitting at about Maybe 15 to 20% of our total card sales are going international. Is that US or other? Everywhere from like even Saudi Arabia, Mm -hmm. the US, um, you know, a lot in Europe. Um, We are spreading, um, but yeah, look, there's no reason why we can't sell overseas. There's absolutely no reason. In, In an ideal world, if COVID wasn't happening, we'd actually go set up an office in Saudi Arabia. That would probably be the, that would have happened right now, but we can't do that um but yeah international is by no means um too far away yeah um, given we, it is a digital product still and we can't yeah. technically sell it from australia yeah. with COVID going on um but it would be nice when you've got a rep there when you've got somebody there to actually represent the, the company yeah that's obviously it's, yeah. yeah yeah i was gonna say in terms
0: of a, a physical product it's basically is a digital product right like it's not like you have to have an office in each country to sell there mm-hmm. and i guess if you have a lot of volume going through that country it may make sense to get a printer on the ground or whatever so the fulfillment gets a bit cheaper and you don't have to ship from australia or whatever but um yeah it's pretty cool from that perspective is there are there any i haven't really looked into the space are there any other big players other than you guys
1: yeah there are yep. um there's there's probably one big one in the u.s called mobilo Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't feel like they offer the same user experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a few of their cards, um, and I feel like the platform is very buggy. It's not 100% there. there.'s They're missing a lot of key points, I would say. Just the I think everything right now is customer centric. like I think um, Jeff Bezos has made it like that. You know, we have to be focused completely on the customer experience. Um, so although it may work, it does the job, um, I think that people buy into a nice you know, user experience. They, they buy into beautiful UI. Um, they, they, they buy into something that, that's pleasing to, like to actually look at and to play around with. Um, and I think that's what we're investing a lot into. Um, we're a premium business card. We're not, we're not just your average business card that you'll go buy from, you know, from snap printing. Uh, we, we want to be we want to represent a higher-end card um, and i think from that perspective we don't have any competitors um but yeah yeah cool in terms of ongoing learning uh
0: i mean you're obviously a guy that's not afraid to figure something out um, like you said you can google anything find out the answers. Do, you do any do you take a structured approach to your own growth at all like do you do any courses or do you focus on listening to books or podcasts or anything like that
1: yeah, not really no, no. no there's no structure I'm, I'm pretty I'm a pretty hands-on learner I like just give me something to try and then I'll learn from there um, but yeah I listen to a lot of you know business people you know recently I've been very on to Kevin O'Leary um, but Gary vee is my, my favorite for sure Um But yeah, there's there's I just every night I I try to listen to either a podcast or you know someone in that kind of entrepreneurship space. Um, And although you know you may have heard the same things multiple times, there's always that nugget. There's always that one line um, that sticks with you. And you know, and then what I what I found is that I find a line that I really really like, um, and then I'll stick with that for like three weeks a month and then I'll find another line, and then I'll stick with that. Um, like like my, my last one was like, um, if you want something you've never had, you've got to do something you've never done. That was my last one. And then recently it's been like, be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Um, and even when I like, I, I try to go for a run most nights, um, when I'm, I go in like these long sleeves. So there's a point before you start actually sweating where it's uncomfortable, you're a bit itchy, you know? Um, And I, that's when like that plays in my head, like just enjoy the discomfort, you know? Um, And I think, I think those lines, you know, it's interesting because it's kind of, it's showing in the progression of tapped, not necessarily me, but like the business of tapped of what it's like, um, and I'm sure in, in a month's time, there's going to be a, a different line, you know? Yeah.
0: Do you have any mentors or anyone that has a big impact on how you operate or how you grow? Yeah,
1: um, I definitely do. I've got a, a, a gentleman called Elliot Janova. Um, he's, I could probably say he's one of my best friends. Um, and yeah, he is, he, how can I explain Elliot? He's just, he's so practical. <laughs> he's... And uh, he'll have, a, he'll have a, a giggle when he hears this because he's definitely going to listen, I hope he's going to listen. Um, but um, he's just a, a super practical man um, and he understands um, like human emotion generally. Um, and yeah, he's, he's, just a, he's a really, really good strategical thinker. Um, so with him, a lot of our conversations, is, it's more of um, us both challenging each other Um, but we always land on the same conclusion, you know? Yeah. Um, How did you meet him? So he actually owns the... So we work out of a co-working space, Um, but before this, um, I worked out of my sister's office, which he owned. He owned the two co-working spaces. Um, And it was actually... So I wasn't even able to go into my sister's office um, during the weeks. I I would go on the weekends and it was a Sunday um, and he happened to be there. Uh, and we just started talking and then we ended up going to get sushi just up the road and yeah the rest is pretty much the rest is pretty much history yeah gotcha
0: that's pretty cool um and is there anyone else
1: or is he the main there's a few there's there's a few others i've got i've got a few people that i that I'll, i'll drop a line every now and again um but yeah my my family generally everyone in my family has their own business um my my dad's I'm in insurance. My mum's a partner in an accounting firm. My sister's into into digital marketing. So uh, we sound bored of each other a lot. And I've got a little brother as well, and I think he's he's pretty much had it because every <laughs> dinner conversation is talking about, you know, a different business, a different idea. Um, and we're all so, if you actually think about those industries, we're so spread, like, uh, which is nice. Um, but, yeah, there's there's I've got about four or five people um not frequently but every now and again I'll drop a line for sure yeah cool before
0: we wrap up there's a question that we ask every guest and that is what is the number one piece of advice that you would give someone who's thinking about or is in the process of starting a business
1: growth thick skin that's that's the piece of advice I would give I actually didn't I didn't know that question was in your uh, was in your podcast I, I wish Franco would have told me, <laughs> told me that so I could have thought about it a little bit more but um I would say growth, thick skin. I've seen in many entrepreneurs generally and people that have started businesses and break down. Um, and I think breaking down is, you know, it's positive, it's good, um, but that can get the better of a lot of people. Um, so it's just the ability to, you know, to know that you're about to go through hell for a certain period of time. And it's a sustained period of time. It's not just going to happen in one week, it's going to be months. Um, and it's about learning to be comfortable when, when you're uncomfortable you know
0: yeah yeah um yeah it's great advice i mean to find that end point well there's no end point in a business right like this it's an ongoing journey but you might go in with one plan or thinking it's going to go one way and it's just going to be smooth sailing all the way but the reality is it's going to go like this and that and that and that and you're going to be hitting the edges and you need to have that thick skin to be able to survive that but if you've got that thick skin, it makes it a lot more likely that you will survive these bumps along the way and get to that yeah. end point or a better point, at least, um, than what you would otherwise. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And,
1: and the t- like, for me personally, like, my, the fact that our team has grown to what it is now, um, I feel a, a lot more relieved. I'm, I'm under way less pressure for sure. Although I, I do feel a lot of responsibility, um, I know that I can rely on a lot of good people. So, you know, in that growth period when you are. Picking and choosing people—you've all heard it before, but it, it's very important, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. For anyone who wants to find tapped or get a tapped card or find, uh, connect with yourself, even Elon, um, where yep. would you send them?
1: Um, so I'd send them straight to our website, www.tappedbyhatch.shop. Um, and yeah, I'm happy to talk to pretty much anyone. You can contact me on LinkedIn, um, Elon Dat. Um, and yeah all of our social handles are just tapped by hatch but really like for me personally i can tell you that i love talking um, to to people starting out um i feel like i learn a lot out of those conversations um so yeah i'm happy to pretty much talk to anyone
0: awesome thanks a lot for your time today alan i really appreciate it
1: brilliant thank you so much cheers
0: Thanks for listening to today's episode of Sticky Beak. If you've got any feedback or suggestions for guests or topics you'd like us to cover, just send it through to info at stickybeak.com.au.